This week on Hello Ross, Kathy Griffin stops by to say, I had Jeffrey Kensifer call me one time and tell me to stop coming to his Emmy the night before party because I would go and I would bring my Emmy and I'd say to like the biggest stars, I'm Kathy Griffin. Would you like a photo with an actual Emmy? All that and so much more on a brand new episode of Hello Ross. Welcome to the program. A uh, really exciting week around here, not only because uh, my six Seahawks are six and three. Hi, hi, go Hawks. Um, but oh my, the one and only Kathy Griffin's on the show today. Uh, Kathy is always in the news about something. And it, it actually makes me, me laugh because in real life, she's like very like sweet, you know, like the nicest human. Hi, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm so I'm supportive, kind, nice. And then she's got this like streak about her that's just like middle finger up to the man, to authority. Um, and it's always kind of getting her in trouble. You know, just this week, just the other day, Elon Musk banned Kathy Griffin from Twitter because she was, um, I guess she's upset at him for a myriad of reasons. And she changed her Twitter name to Elon Musk and then tweeted something. And he said, no, you can't impersonate people, which is confusing because he's letting everyone buy blue checks or whatever. Um, the point is she was trending number two when I woke up. She's always fighting authority. She has something to prove. And now more than ever, Kathy Griffin does not, as the kids say, doesn't give a fuck. She doesn't give any. And uh, it's, it's incredible to see. You know, you think about Kathy started and uh, she went from... Uh, being a, a working actress, I remember her in Suddenly Susan, you know, uh, I mean, she was in, um, you guys, she was in Pulp Fiction. Go back and watch it. Quentin Tarantino. She was in that movie. Working actress. And then her career really took off when she did My Life on the D-List. She won uh, Emmys. She won Grammys uh, for her comedy albums. And she went from like the D-List then to being blacklisted. When she held up that uh, fake uh, head of Trump's with the ketchup, of course you remember that. Well, Kathy's been a friend of mine forever. The Kathy I know is, like I said, so sweet, so kind. When I was just starting out as Ross the intern, she was at the height of Life on the D-List. It was the show everybody was talking about on Bravo. She was winning Emmys, like I said. And she invited me over to do like a little video blog that I had started with, with The Tonight Show in her living room, the living room where they filmed my life on the D list. And it was almost like her bringing me there and doing this thing with me. was like her stamp, like this gay is okay by Kathy Griffin. And I really felt like she lent me a little bit of legitimacy. There've been people that have done that in my, my life and career. When I started as just a little Rossi intern, big, big, powerful people who said, no, there's something with this kid. He's got it. You know, he's good. Rosie O'Donnell did it. Chelsea Handler did it. Jay Leno did it. And Kathy Griffin did it from day one. She's been a friend to me. And uh, even in the darkest times, I always reached out because I love her. I love Kathy Griffin. And when I asked her if she'd come on our show to say hello, Ross, she didn't, did not hesitate. So after the break, my friend Kathy Griffin's here. We're talking about everything. Nothing is off limits. She just turned 62 years old. She is iconic. What will she do next? How does she feel about where she's come? Let's find out. Kathy Griffin is here to say hello, Ross. Thank you. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hello, Ross. Hello, Kathy Griffin. Oh, my gosh. I was looking forward to this way too much. I listen, I can't believe you were looking forward to it. You know, I uh, was starting this, this the new show and I, I'm texting people who I love, you know, who I really find fascinating. And, my, and I almost didn't text you because you, I, I don't know, you're like a big celebrity, you know, and I feel like <laughs> you don't want to bother those people. And my husband said, text, text her, text her. And you yes. got back to me in like 10 seconds. I'm your big celebrity, Ross. <laughs> I live to serve. I still get nervous around, you know, because remember I started as the intern on the Tonight yes. Show. And well, that's something we have in common. You know, like we're both still starstruck and love celebrities and love interacting with them. You're, of course, a little nicer, but I, uh, you know, I like to have my comments. But no, I do. I am still such a fan as the day I started. You know what? I think that's why I re- like resonated with you, particularly me watching your comedy. One, I mean, you are just undeniably one of the funniest humans to ever live on the face of the planet. But simultaneously, you are such a super fan of pop culture. And that that line is such a smart line that you walk. Was there when you started and got into into the way you did comedy, you the way you do comedy, was that intentional to have that line of a super fandom and then also pop the balloon? No, because I just was. You know, I grew up in Chicago in an era where the mayor there, Richard Daly, wouldn't allow filming. So I never even like we didn't even see movies made in Chicago. They were never like on location or anything. So you Wait, know, the mayor just, wouldn't let there be movies made in Chicago, yeah, so there, there were never, like... The John Hughes movies were, like, revelatory because he had died, and then they started making movies in Chicago. And then it was like, oh, maybe p- people can work, you know, get work there and stuff. But I just wasn't from a place that had anything resembling a celebrity. And my parents were just... I mean, everything from when my dad was in World War II, his job was he was a photographer, and he would fly over enemy bases and take photographs. But... When he wasn't doing that, they needed a photographer for the USO shows. So my dad had pictures with like him and Lana Turner, like in, you know, in a base in Germany. So our family would just brag about that forever. And we're just all giant movie and TV buffs, giant. Did it feel like, I remember I grew up in a little farm town up in Washington state. And I remember looking at the like people magazines and thinking like, is this on planet earth? Like did it, not as in, it didn't only seem like it was miles away it felt like a universe away yes and i try to explain that to my friends that live in california that are so jaded right by the way as much as i love love touring and i hope i can tour again soon fingers crossed but i will tell you la is the hardest place to sell tickets in the world in the world i can i never perform oh my gosh because everybody here is so jaded they're like I can see Kathy Griffin at the, you know, Trader Joe's. So it's really hard to like move a ticket in LA. So when did you move to LA from Chicago? And what was that like when, when you as a super fan of pop culture, like were there? Oh my God. I love that you're asking me this because I was such 
like a dumb, dumb dork. I can't even tell you. I mean, still am, but moved here. I, ideas of like, not grandeur, but like thinking I will do whatever it takes to somehow try to get and work in this world. So the first day that we moved here, um, we drove across country, my parents and I, then my sister came later and we lived in the same apartment building on Pico, just west of Lincoln, not classy. And we actually had kind of a nice-ish house in Illinois, but it was like, that's okay, you know? And so like the first night, I didn't know any better. So I just went to the beach in Santa Monica at like nine o'clock by myself and just uh -huh. went swimming. And I'll uh, never forget. Swimming. Yes. And I never forget, there was like a dude watching and I finally am like, oh, that's kind of weird. And it was a security guy. And he was like, uh, miss this, maybe, you know, and I was like, oh, I moved here today from Illinois. He's like, why don't you go home? Say hi to your folks, you know, but it was so sweet. And then my second day in Los Angeles, I rode my bicycle to the Manson murder house. You're twisted, you know that? You yes, are twisted. yes, I am. But because I, it was a pop culture because iconic Because I had seen every place. movie about it, and I somehow, like, remember, this is way before internet or anything, and I had the address, and I don't know what I, I thought I was going to, like, ride my bike up there. By the way, if you've ever, never ridden your bike on Sunset, don't start. But I no, go I'm not going to, thank like, you. No, and I'm just like, wait, what did I think was going to happen? First of all, it's a, just a giant gate, but, like, yeah. <laughs> it was just... It was just like the stuff I just did thinking like, maybe this will work. And then of course mm. it was like the drama log and the groundlings and all that stuff. You and did. So I remember the, on my skills. I remember the first like red carpet I ever saw. I like, I drove by it. I wasn't on TV or anything yet. I was in college and I moved down there and I saw this red carpet and flashes. I still don't know what red carpet was, but then I saw just to the right of it, there were three porta potties and across the street was a gas station. And like, you know, there were, yeah. And I remember thinking like, wow, show business is like, you only see such a sliver of it. It's not what you think of it. But so I have to ask you as someone, you know, Chicago moves there, swims in, in Santa Monica the first day to like where you got, and then we'll talk about where you are. But I mean, the fact that you got in and started becoming part of that world, did it blow your mind? Did you ever get comfortable with that? No, of course not. Look, it's obvious I'm still not comfortable in Hollywood. And I think it would, like it's so crazy to me. It's so crazy. Well, I'll tell you that the whole Trump situation didn't help. You know, a lot of people oh. are still very upset about that. I don't, We're going to go into that. Why, but they are still very upset about it. And unfortunately, a lot of the dudes in our business are still upset about it. But yeah. at the time, I still have that I'll do anything. I want to do anything. And look, I think what you and I share in common and like, not to sound like an asshole, but honestly, I don't think you and I ever did it for the money. I really think you and I went into this for the fun and the yeah. relationships and wanting to make people laugh. And that's like, that's an earnest thing, whether you want to make fun of us or not. And so, you know, I, I, I love being in the business. And now I'm at the point where like, I get resentful when people like make fun of artists now. Cause I'm like, no, 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 you've never been on a set. If you think this is a bunch of lazy elitists, like these are the hardest working people I've ever seen. Because when you are a kid dreaming in the town and trying to create with your friends, trying to make something and fighting, living in a real shithole when you first moved to town, like it is not glamorous. And like, it's almost takes a second when you get to the place of like having some success before you even pull your head up and look around and realize like, what? I, I, it, I'm doing it. It's working. So I'm wondering like, what was the moment when you realized you, was there a moment when you looked up and you thought, oh my God, I'm like winning. I'm doing it. I think like, you know, I had a lot of false starts. 
So I, I had literally 10 years of things that looked like I might get my break. Like I got cast in a movie for three weeks, which for me was huge. And like a week before the movie just canceled production, they couldn't get the money. So like I went through several things like that or, you know, the student film I did for free and the director went on to win awards, but like nobody saw it or like things like that. And I think when I started getting actual guest spots, on like shows. Like I just remember for years, it was me trying to tell my relatives in Illinois, well, there's this school called AFI, the American Film Institute, and I did a movie and you can't really see it, but it's really cool, you know? And then finally I was like, I'm a guest on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, so I could <laughs> that they can understand. Them. Yeah, because they didn't think I was like really an actress. They certainly, they couldn't understand why I had to take a day job. They're like, mm. wait, you don't get paid to audition? I'm like, no, not at all. And it so, is so weird to understand when you come from like real people, which we do, you know what I mean? Like, you, it's, who's it's, the weirdest person, if this has ever happened to you, that like a, somebody from your hometown or relative thought you could like get them to? Oh, for sure. Like, um, can you have um, the, pro they, someone asked me to have the Property Brothers redo their kitchen. <laughs> Why didn't like, but aren't they like, like, aren't they like, if you could get on that, that'd be super. Thanks. That'd be great. Yeah, no, because, but, but here's the other thing too, Kathy, like, and this is the thing that I think you and I, um, bond over and it's kind of how we started the, the interview is that like, so I'm nervous to text you. I've known you for these years, but I'm nervous to text you and ask you for this kind of favor. I would text you and ask you how, how you are, but like to ask you for a favor, because I just feel like that, I don't know, like there's always been a wall between me and, and the big celebrity of it all. It, it, it intimidates me as much as I am fascinated Ooh, by it, it intimidates me. I'm right so, there with you. You know, I can't use this parties a hundred percent. I had Jeffrey Kensiper call me one time and tell me to stop coming to his Emmy the night before party because I would go and I would bring my Emmy and I'd say to like the biggest stars, I'm Kathy Griffin. Would you like a photo with an actual Emmy? Like I thought it was a funny thing to do. It is and, funny. Like, he did not but, agree. But, but it is funny, but there is something there to it. It's like you I wanted to almost year. I even won that year. Yes. And you want it, but it's almost like you want to prove that you belong there. Like look at me. Oh is that what you were doing? No, I used to bring both of my Emmys to auditions and meetings. I'm not kidding. Like I would walk That's in so funny. to like Ben Silverman's office and be like, huh? How about these? You know, like it was just always like a bit. I actually broke them. I've broken them both. I used to even take them on the road with me and walk out on every stage and plop it on the stool. Yeah. But you know why? And I get, like, I get there's two reasons why you're doing that. Well, there's three. One, it's hilarious. Two, you are really proud of it, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I and be. also there is something where, I mean, look, you're a gay guy. I'm a chick of a certain age. So let's face it. We have to work a little harder and jump a little higher. And I feel like often if there's a big thing in Hollywood, especially now with everything so dispersed with a million streaming services. And we are getting more segregated, you know, like the fact that I don't even know who TikTok stars are. Like, <laughs> and they're, you know, they, they're big stars, but I like am taking a while to try to get to know that world. And they don't know me yeah, don't and that's it. different too. But to just get in there and like be able to mix it up with these folks. Luckily, I've still always got the kick out of just kind of being allowed in the room. Like I'm always going to have a few people there that are like, Ugh. like, I don't know about you, but I get this a lot. Like stars that don't want to be photographed with me. Like, I get that all the time. <laughs> who is somebody? Can you name a name? Someone who yes, didn't want to. Helen Hunt. Okay. So Helen Hunt. Yes. So, <laughs> and look, maybe she doesn't remember me from my five lines that I'm out about you. Okay, fine. Okay. Okay. Like, okay. I said seeing her like at Christmas and anyway, so yeah, I went to like, she had the premiere of this movie about surfing and I thought it was really cool and she directed it. And I, was I like, remember. 
I'm going to go support Helen. You know, this is not easy. As big of a star as she is, she's got the Academy Award, but still she puts a movie out. It's not like when Nicholson would put a movie out, you know? And so I go and there's a little step and repeat. And then I see, I see her with her publicist. I think it was Hugh Bain. And I just see them discussing just like this. And so I just Just, went, just saying no, looking at Look at each other and be like, no, it's not oh, happening. It's happened more than I can tell you. Oh well, first God. of all, you know when you're doing the red carpet, though, that is a given. Like, there's always going to be a couple people on the red carpet that are just like, you know. But that's different because you have like 100 people to choose from or whatever. But when you just by yourself. <laughs> so I just started like. But you, so you, but here's the deal. It's, we talk about what's going on internally in our mind of like wanting to be a part of it, loving it. Yeah. And then being coming up and like thinking yes. this is how we but, all gay guys supporting gay guys. Well, it's like, this is how we grow. Well, maybe not everyone thinks that way. So, well, I was wondering though, is it in our heads where we like, where we, where we love it, we want to be a part of it. And then once we get there, we feel like we don't belong. Or yes. do you really think there, is it in our head or is it people thinking we don't belong, Kathy? Is it a bunch of Helen Hunts being like, I don't want a picture with them? Oh, in my case, it's me. I know it's me. Like there have yeah. been years and I was like, oh, I'm too obnoxious. I'm too, but now I'm like, oh no, it's like me. Like the baggage has taken me over. But I'm like, I always want to scream. Of course I have baggage. I've been in this business fighting for like my own shows or my own tours for decades. I have pissed off a lot of dudes. And this is, this is a really, it is really tough business. And I, and especially for, for you, I mean, I'm a white man. Yes, I'm gay and I have hurdles, but like, you know, I think about, you know, there's a picture of Joan Rivers hanging in your office right yes, above your head. Okay. Here right there. And you yeah. think about Joan and I mean, Joan's just the best of the best. You know, we both yeah. loved Joan. We were, we're very close with her. I think about her all the time. I bet. And you think about like, man. And we would talk about that. We would talk about, you know, she was very wounded by Ellen DeGeneres. In my she last, that was? was wounded by Ellen DeGeneres. You know, like, so? in my last dinner with Joan, Ellen had said something again and we talked about it and she was just kind of shaking her head and you know, I said, it makes me sad because when I think of women talk shows, you know, I mean, certainly I would say really Joan plus Oprah combined sort of made Ellen possible. And both of them broke those glass ceilings. And I'm just saying. And I put Rosie in there too. I put Rosie in the yes, mix too, right? Of course, Rosie. Of course, mm -hmm. Rosie. And that's one of the things that I have to say, like, bothers me. And I think sometimes I get in trouble because like I called Ellen. Uh, you know, after Joan's funeral and I talked to her about it and she was extremely upset. And she was, uh, what did you say to Ellen? Tell me. I said, um, are you happy? Now she's dead. And so, because oh I knew God, she, <laughs> and I wonder why Hollywood doesn't embrace me because I was, like, I would talk to, her about, I would talk to Ellen about Joan and Rickles before. And what did Ellen say about Joan? What was your problem? I with think she was mean. I don't think she was funny. I think she was mean. And did that hurt Joan's feelings? I mean, I think you're mean. I said, I know you do, Ellen. I know. This call is not about me. This is about, like I was saying, like, just do like a package that's a tribute to her or something. Like, come on, Ellen. Like, just pay. It paid forward to you. Like, pay. And she was just not having it. And it was just well, bizarre. But I think one of the other things that I get in trouble is I expect too much of my fellow actors. I think other chicks, especially sort of in my age category, I think we should be like really helping each other out. And, you know, that's not something that's always panned out or people haven't always agreed with that.
You know, it's funny you talking about it and you're not afraid to tell anybody anything. And I, you know, I, I, I try to reconcile this in my brain. Can I, can I talk at you for about 30 seconds? Yes. Okay. So I, when, when I look at you, even before I met you, one of the reasons I loved you not be, beyond the fact that you're hilarious is because I feel like in high school, you and I would have been best friends. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. And, and say what now? We've gone to the prom together. We, we, we so would have gone to the prom together. We would have had to. We would have gone to prom together, but home alone. We would have. Yes. And, yes. And we'd be fine with it. But I picture you as like someone who is, and I mean this in, in a, in a, in a really positive way. I picture you like as being a good girl, you know, you, you, you are a good girl. And I don't know what it is in you. When did it happen that you got the, the balls to just say exactly what was on your mind. And when I think about every time I interview somebody and I say it here all the time, the audience is sick of it, but I, I try to identify the person's superpower and your superpower is that you are fearless in, in a way you are, you are unafraid to go there. But that's my problem. I should have gotten some fear along the way, <laughs> whatever that. Whatever that injury is inside me won't go away, but I absolutely just got it from my parents. I mean, first of all- Did you get it from your parents? Did you have this as a kid? Oh my God. My dad was the funniest, most sardonic guy. And luckily everybody knew he was kidding, so he could like go there. But I just loved it because I still think to this day, there's, and because it would make me giggle as a little kid. Like if my dad said something funny to me or- he would forget our names and he would just call us all Dolly. He would call the girls Dolly and the boys, <laughs> he would call the boys like John or something. But anyway, so like he, he would, he'd be like, ah, I don't know, I don't remember your name. And I would just giggle, you know? And so I just kind of thought that was the funniest way to be. Cause it was like, there's the obvious jokes and then there's the like thing people are thinking. And then there's the thing maybe only I'm thinking, but I hope some other people think, which is where I get in trouble. Cause sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm wrong. It, and it's funny you say trouble because the word I was trying to identify is troublemaker. That's your superpower is that you are and you're you're comfortable as a troublemaker. It makes you almost feel it, it's almost like it evens the, the the playing ground. It levels it out. Like if you can cause a little trouble, then get people off their feet, then you have an advantage. But it's not just in comedy, Kathy. It's not. You are unafraid to plant your flag on what you think on social issues, even when they're unpopular. Um you know, look at the whole Trump thing. We have, to, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit if, if you're comfortable with it. But I mean, that was crazy. What, what that was happened? Seismic. And- seismic. Seismic. Like, the reason I'm saying that is like, you know, like when you say like, is it me? Like, I really think if I wasn't Kathy Griffin with the baggage, I actually think somebody probably would have made like a docu-series about it. Or like, it would be something we could almost like study because it happened, you know, five years ago and there's still weird fallout. And I still get harassed by these MAGA types all the time. Like last week, Marjorie Green came after me and Carrie Lake and those MAGA blue checks. Then they get it in like all the Breitbart and Alex Jones and Fox. So that was, I think about seven or eight days ago. So it gets, they, they get it all ginned up again, just kind of randomly. So it kind of sucks that I'm just in the uh, basket, if you will, of stuff that they kind of pull out when Trump is having a bad time or whatever. So that's, tough because a lot of people kind of think it's real, but it isn't really real life. Like that's the thing. My next point is like, if that, if that's seismic and you think about all that stress inside your body of everything that we all know, the story of what went down, uh, I don't know what it was like for you, but I, I, I know that I haven't seen you in a few years in person. And in those few years, 
I mean, that seismic craziness happened, but like really important, other really important stuff on the complete other end of the spectrum. Your mom? My sister got cancer and I shaved my head in solidarity, which made everybody think I was crazy. Um, COVID happened. Um, I uh, overdosed on prescription pills because I had started really abusing prescription pills when the Trump thing happened. So I tried to take my life two years and about three months ago, ended up in Cedar sinai in the psych ward for three days on a 5150 like Britney and Kanye. It's actually not as glamorous as I thought it would be. It and doesn't sound glamorous, Kathy. It's not. And then it was like recovery and then cancer. You know, so a year after I got sober, I got diagnosed with lung cancer, even though I've never smoked. And then they took out half my left lung. And now my but voice- when you laugh, why you laugh when you say, because there's no other choice? Can you believe this shit? Can you no. believe this? Like, first, let me tell you something. I was having lunch with our mutual friend, Rosie O'Donnell. Love. And this is how I knew it was extreme. She's like, Griff. Because I said, come on, you know, you know probably what it's like to go through cycles like that, maybe better than anybody I know. And she goes, well, I never had the president mad at me while he was president. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that did end. I had a whole like Department of Justice investigation. Right, secret no, service. Layer to it, yeah. I just picture that scene, by the way. Imagine if like a Trump supporter walks in a restaurant and there's Rosie O'Donnell and Kathy Griffin having lunch. Can you imagine? I know. Well, I've been confronted many times. Like, gosh, I was in a restaurant not too long ago and um, I was sitting next to a table and they seemed to recognize me and they, I guess, were Trumpers because they went to the front of the restaurant and they demanded that I be removed. So I could see them like talking to the host and they kept looking over. And I now I'm used to that feeling. So I'm like, uh, here we go. And then they were like pointing and I think I said one thing from the table and then I noticed that Luke Wilson, no, Owen Wilson was two tables over and he scared me. He scared me because I was one day in a movie with him and he and Jason Sudeikis were the leads. And it was really funny because the girls and I were hanging out at Applegate and Jenna Fisher and the guys were like, like to put it in a mean way, but I think they were like, Let's not talk to her too much because it'll be in the end. They were like, whoa. Yeah. Right. I remember thinking, oh, well, Wilson must think I'm a fucking psycho now. First he sees me on that movie where like only girls will talk to me. And now, you know, but eventually like, you know, they went away. But it's stuff like that happens. And I think, like I said, I think because it's me, it doesn't like end up in the paper or there's like, there's never like a, I don't know. What, what's so frustrating is I wasn't able to convince people as I wanted to, that if it happened to me, it really can happen to you. Mm. And, you know, it's just turned into a whole other thing. And then I had to learn all about like how bots work and who's funding, which effort to come after me in this way and all the super. Yeah. So I think about, um, I think about when all that went down and it was just you alone. And, you know, I talked about how we would have been friends in high school because I think maybe we went through some of the similar things in high school. Right. And, um, Wait, you mean you were the jock and I wasn't the homecoming queen? No, we were not. Maybe I think yeah, there were tough days in high school. There were tough. Did it? Did it dig any of that stuff back up for you? Oh, sure, all of it from anything when I was a kid, or you know, you think about any stuff like that because I've never, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Meaning, I've never seen a comedian take this kind of a beatdown especially when they didn't do anything wrong. So that's another thing. Like there's a bunch of magas that actually think I should be in Guantanamo Bay. And, you know, cause I broke the law and like, it gets super crazy, but you know, it's, it's the type of thing where you, I don't know. I can tell you that was a, that was such a crazy time. I had to get a lot of security. Um, 
there were many incidents of people like trying to get in the house. Uh, I was really afraid to go out. When I went out a couple of times, my picture and my video was everywhere so that it was really, it could be like a real issue. Um, you know, like I had, like my husband and I were on tour in San Francisco and I was just walking down the street and like these four magas come up and just confront me. And like, it's just bizarre because I've never seen anything like this where people that don't like you are so emboldened to like find you and tell you about it. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing. That's the different, that's the difference. Right. And then just to go through just, you know, losing your mom. I lost my mom too during the the pandemic and, oh, and it's, so there's nothing, thank you. There's, there's nothing harder, you know, than, than your parents. Did you have a memorial? We haven't had a memorial yet. We haven't either. Yeah. It, that was so weird too. Because we couldn't gather, you know, and it's, you almost feel like you don't have closure yet or something, but I, but it was so hard for me and still is so hard that I was just thinking of the, what you, everything on your list at that time, you know, from, from Trump to sobriety, cancer and your mom, I just don't know how you did it. My question to you is like, what do you know now? Wow. I've, I've, I've learned a lot. And you know, I'll tell you one thing that's hard for me is I have so many regrets. Like when people are like, would you do this, you know, do it differently? And they're like, I wouldn't change a thing. Of course I would. I would change a million things, you know, like for so many years, like let's say all my years at NBC Universal, I never thought, well, that company is going to come to loathe me. Like Jeff Zucker will loathe me and then he will hold that grudge forever. Andy Cohen will loathe me and then like, you know, take my gig and all that stuff. But I really thought like in my mind, I was just wanting my work to be better, wanting the shows to be better. Um, you know, I always tried to get anything resembling equal pay to dudes. And I just thought, well, that's how guys do it. They're bold. Many times I asked for raises myself because even my agents didn't want to piss off the head of the studio. My suddenly Susan raise I got personally from Peter Roth. Personally, I went in and I said, I'm going to do a sick out if you don't give me a raise. And I love Judd Nelson, but he's doing poppers in the dressing room and I'm not. So can I not make a third of what he makes? And so oh my God, you so I love funny. he's hilarious. But anyway, like, you know, that I, and then when I finally got a raise, I didn't get the raise I wanted. It was like, my agents were like, oh my God, you're so great. You're so badass. And I'm like, well, like, I wish I had known like, oh, that's going to make these executives hate me forever. You know, yeah. Hmm. like when Andy Cohen would send me notes about an episode and it was an episode with Lily Tomlin and he would say stuff like yawn. And I'd be like, Andy, she's amazing. She stayed in Canada an extra day to shoot with us. Like, I didn't know what that would I just thought everybody fought to make their shows good and stuff like that. So, so we're fans of super pop culture. If we can pull you out of it, the Kathy Griffin out of you, so you can just see your position. Do you think like they'll make a movie of your life one day? Because it is actually unbelievable. <laughs> Look, I, of course, like I'll tell you, to be honest, if I could have my dream, it would be like, I actually wish somebody would do like a docu-series and focus on the Trump stuff because I feel like that is, something that happened that is a little bit historic. And so it's like sort of in the history and all this stuff. But of course, I mean, I, I would love it because part of me still has this really pathetic, like, I just want some recognition. I've worked really hard and made quite a few people laugh. And I think I'm always going to have that like needy place, you know? I picture you like a happy old lady 
Like when, um, I, this is a great compliment. I hope you take it as it. Like when um, uh, Sissy Spacek won for Coal Miner's Daughter for the Oscar and Loretta Lynn was in the audience. And like, so you're like being lauded and uh, appreciated and loved and someone's winning an Oscar for playing you. That chick you. from Stranger Things, the redhead. Yes. She'd be cool. But that chick. Yeah, she'd be great. I mean, but so think about, but, oh but I mean, but we're actually, oh, we have practice your reaction. This is good. But okay. the truth is like, we're saying this, but like Kathy, because of your life, the life you've lived, like that could happen. You are one of the fascinating Honestly, people. I'm not likable. You have to be likable. Stop. I'm right funny now. and successful, but I'm not likable. I'll tell you what. I'll tell anybody dogs, watching. Dogs are fluffy. Dogs are fluffy. I will tell you this. Kathy is so likable in person. When I first started as Ross, the intern, and you had your show, My Life on the D-List, you invited you me came over to the D-List house. I did. And like, you you know, I was just a gay kid who on that show that got a thing. But like, I felt like you gave me a little credibility because if Kathy Griffin thinks you're a cool gay, then you're in. And I don't know. I just, I'll always be grateful because you were so kind to me when you were such a superstar. So I love that about you. You're amazing. And I'm such a fan of your work. And like your stuff on the Tonight Show is just was fucking amazing. And you're obviously great on the Drew Show. And I feel like, like you've just, you found your place where you're appreciated and you get to do what you do best. And like, do you feel like you're getting to do, or do you want to like do something else or what? You know, I feel like my feet are firmly planted. And I think like, what's next now? You know, I, I almost feel like what I'm going to do is ahead of me. I'm wondering how you feel though. Like you have had this crazy story, this crazy arc are you healthy? Are you feeling good? Are you I'm feeling good? I'm very self-conscious about my voice because the surgeon who took out my half lung, he did some damage to my whole vocal apparatus. So I have like a paralyzed vocal cord and I've had another surgery to try to get it better. This is actually better. So I will say one thing that's hard is like, I've done stand up a couple of times for like charity functions and stuff. And, you know, I have to go out there and explain to the audience why I talk like this. And it's difficult because like, I can't really do impressions the way I did. And like, it feels limiting, but I think I need to get over it because to tell you the truth, my biggest fear about going back on tour, and I haven't, I have never gone this long without doing standup. I haven't done a tour in, is it three years? Never gone this long. By the way, the last tour I did was the most successful I've ever like had in my life. And so. At the time when you, when you were like the most scared to do it, I would imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm just convinced that I can't sell a tour. Like I have, I've lost confidence where I'm like, can I sell? Like, I'd love to just do like 10 cities, but I really don't know. I mean, those magazines are, promise you. and they're very mad at me. And I'm, I promise you, you will sell out Kathy Griffin. I promise you. Really? Cause I want 100%. to, cause I want to talk about, I want to talk about the cancer and all the craziness, but I also want to talk about, you know, the other stuff that's going on, just all the crazy stuff like we all went through in COVID. And, you know, I'm going to get in a little Adam Levine. Now, listen, I know that you may, even if you don't believe it, you, I believe that you want to talk about it. Yes. And I will, by the way, I will talk about it. Remember, I'm not tied down to facts and figures. You know, sometimes they can be a burden. <laughs> and sometimes if Mrs. Kathy needs to embellish a little bit and a little chuckle. Do you have like Joan had like pages of material folders of it for when you're ready to get back out there when you're, you're ready to go? It's not even as organized as Joan. You know, she had the file cabinet, like a Dewey decimal system. Mine is like old timey notebooks. And it's, it's like the way I did it from the first time I did stand up, probably in like, I don't even know, like 19, you know, 92 or some something. And then it's just the way I know of doing it. So I still have about 
six bullet points and I have them on my little stool. And I usually don't look at it, but sometimes I look. And then I just kind of like go, I can go off on that one for like at least 10 minutes. And then, you know, I tend to go really long. So if anything, it's like, I got the light at my own shows, like at my own shows. Just oh, that, me. The light means stop when yes. they shine the light on you as a comic. My husband, yeah. who was also my amazing tour manager, is like, like I did some shows on the last tour. There were three hours. I'm not kidding. Because I was so convinced I would never tour again. So I did every show literally like it was my last. You will tour again. I promise you. I will buy tickets to see you. All right? There's no oh, one better than Kathy Griffin. You have to go I see. When when you go out again, um, I'll be there in the front. I'll be in the front row with you. Hey, we have questions from the audience. It's time for our final five questions. Jessica wants to know, did you really consider joining The View? I could talk about The View all day long, every day. No. Yes, they offered me The View at one point uh, many years ago when I was auditioning all the, like I was co-hosting a ton of times. And I did love Barbara. Like she didn't love me, but I loved her anyway. Same. And um, yeah, right. And uh, I loved all the girls. I mean, Hasselbeck wasn't, I can't remember if she was on yet or not. Yeah, she was on. But anyway, uh, I was like, I could have made it work. So they offered me 1.4 for the year. God, I can't believe you're giving numbers. This is so funny. I can't even believe it. Well, you know this. So I think think like Joan Rivers meets Susie Orman because I feel women in business should talk about this. So they offered me 1.4. And I I was like, for what? The month? And so Barbara got so insulted because I was like making like 8 to 10 a year at that time. And so I sat her down because she's so like sensitive and I sat her down and Bill Getty, the then producer. And I just said, look, I want you to know what the deal is. It's literally just economics. I said, I would love to do the show. It's a blast. It's in my wheelhouse, but I can't take a pay cut of this degree. So here's the numbers. And if you guys want to come up, we can talk, but otherwise I just want you to know it's not personal. And it just didn't work out. And you know, over the years I've, I've been banned from the show and now I'm back on, which is nice. Wait, but you, you, it wasn't, there wasn't a part of you that if I'm on every day with people, it'll feed other businesses. Maybe I should do it. I think I was worried at the time I was on the D list. I was doing specials and I was like, you know, I think I'm actually funnier in that environment. But at the time I was like, I remember thinking like, this could be an amazing job after the D list. But by then they had all like all their panel and all that other stuff. You know, I, people, I don't know if people know the story, but, um, I was the first time I was on The View, you were the guest co-host and they, Barbara had no clue who I was, but you like held me up and, and really like made me sing. Like I really killed it, you know, so much so that they asked me back to guest host and then whatever all that stuff happened. But like, it was because you were there that you were like lifting me up and it felt like, I don't know. I felt like if you hadn't have been there, it, it just would have been just, it just would have tanked. But you were sort of like, no, Barbara, it's fun. It's good. It's good. And she sort of got into the vibe of it all. I'll never forget that. She was that. me for the Oscar de la Renta show, Fashion Week, I'm sure. <laughs> Barbara, what a fascinating woman, Barbara, Barbara. Walters. Uh, Lisa J says, is there a celebrity you don't talk to anymore who you miss most? Oh, God. There's so many. Are there that many? I mean, look, I, mean, look, I, I think the, the names that have been out there are like, I can say him again. Yeah, I, I hate what happened with Anderson Cooper. You know, that hurt, just hurt me deeply because I just thought we were like really good friends. And I thought regardless of like his friendship with Andy, he and I kind of have a good thing, you know, but by then. And that's happened. real friendship. That's real yeah, friendship. Huh? Yeah. And, you know, I found out on the CNN ticker, like no one could even be bothered to just give me a fucking heads up text or anything. So that one was hard. And... You know, there have been 
honestly, do you want to hear something like of my industry friends? I'd say literally 70% of them don't talk to me anymore. That's heartbreaking. I know. I know. Like I wrote my last book called Kathy Griffin's Celebrity Run-Ins. And it really was like a love letter to all these like kooky celebrity run-ins I've had. And like half the people in that book don't even talk to me. And I wrote like glowing things about them. So like. Is it because of the, the, the book or is it all Trump? Is it all that, that news? The book was fine. Nobody, nobody had a problem with the book. But the Trump thing happened like right after the book came out. And then it was just everybody just joined in. You know, but it stayed like the reason I say that. And once again, I'm being too fearless. But like, look, I'd love to say nobody ditched me except, you know, three assholes or whatever. But most everybody ditched me and then has chosen not to come back. And so I feel like I'm starting again in some ways. Yeah. And that's why you got to go back on tour, Kathy, because in, you got because just for that, that biopic movie, you know, we need you yeah. in the ring with the cheers and everybody's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. crawling back. I want to too. Uh, okay, almost done. Just a couple more. Um, uh, we'll, uh, Julie says, I love the D-list. Was there anything totally off limits? Like w- when you were filming that, we were like, we'll never touch, talk about this. Oh, you know, it's a tricky thing because, by the way, I'm thinking of, don't make fun of me, I'm thinking of doing a podcast, hear me out, but it's one where myself and my former assistant, just like like those recaps where we, we recap the D-list because I haven't watched it since it aired. You must. Like I haven't seen the D-list. Ross, I'm going to cancel myself. I can only imagine how offensive that show is. Like upon reflection, my mother would say Mexicans love soccer. Like, and that was like a good thing. So, okay, you, you have to. Is this would be you and Tiffany, your assistant at the time? Tiffany's like happy and Mary. I think it would be my assistant after her, John, who actually wasn't okay, yeah. the D-list, but he was on the Kathy talk show, and so he know he knows Tiffany really well. So, like. He's kind of a fan, so he said he'd have like, good questions. Uh, well, this last question uh, comes from Thomas. I thought it was really fascinating because of everything you've done for our community, the gay community. You've you've been there before. It was cool to be there, um, and you've also done so much for veterans. People don't know that. People that come at you don't know all the work. Yeah, I performed in Afghanistan, Kuwait, Uzbekistan, and Iraq. I went twice. I performed at Walter Reed. Um, Medical center. And yeah, one, that was definitely hard about the Trump thing. And they've definitely not come back. It was really hard when the entire veterans community, you know, turned on me and like, you know, that's, that was just like kind of a hard thing because, you know, a lot of celebrities say we support the troops. It's quite another thing to get on the military plane and go to a war zone. And so, yeah, I, I'm kind of like, okay, guys, like, I'm never going to give up on you guys, but like, that one, that one kind of smarted a little. Well, Thomas says, as a gay man and a veteran, thank you. Yay, Thomas makes it all worth it. And Thomas says, why, why? This is interesting, Kathy, because of just talking about this country that we grew up away from Hollywood. We came, all the dreams come true, and then the story has gone on, and tragedies in life and illness. Um, Thomas wants to know, as a gay man and a veteran, why do you love this country so much? Oh, I, you know what? I'm an American. I really... Like, I didn't realize what a corny American I am until, like, the magas started coming at me and, like, calling themselves patriots and, like this. And I started seeing those words get, like, flipped and stuff. I just love it because I just think this country provides, for all of our complaining, for a female comedian, it provides the most opportunities, the most diversity as far as the broadness of things I get to experience and then bring to the audience. 
I've also toured for so many decades. I love that I've gone everywhere. Like, I love that there's almost not a small town that I haven't either had a meal in or done a show in. And I still just love that stuff. So I'm going to go out there and try to find my America. Um, Kathy, listen, here's the deal. I get it. You're polarizing because you're a troublemaker, right? And uh, yeah. it seems to me like you've made peace that maybe some people are never going to love you. Um, uh, but I also, I see you that you are really loving yourself, you know, and I love you. I love you. You've always oh, been so- so great. You're so good to me. So kind to me. I love that you're a troublemaker. I love that we sh- would have been friends in high school. And here we are friends in real life. Friends now. That's right. To be. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for saying yes. Even when I was scared to ask. <laughs> Everyone follow Kathy. When she goes back on tour, show up. Thank you, Kathy Griffin. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be right yeah. back with my happy ending. It's the best thing I've seen all week. And a big thank you to Kathy Griffin for coming on. Everyone, uh, check out everything that Kathy is doing. Um, She's always on social posting. But thanks for that conversation with no no limitations, no ground rules. uh, Just a great combo. means a lot to me, Kathy, that you came on. All right. uh, I'm always in a good mood, uh, especially when I get to do this podcast. But I'm in an especially good mood because... It's time for my happy ending. The best thing I've seen all week. It was on Sunday. My husband and I went to brunch. Um, We go to this place here on Long Island and we have one martini and uh, we get these spicy shrimp things that are so good. And then I do like a chick. They have this chicken that it's chicken, artichoke hearts, and then like mozzarella grilled on. Anyway, and I do that with broccoli. The point is this. We always go and we watch the first half of the Seahawks game. And I'm because I am a big Seahawk fan for life. You know, I grew up in a farm town with like my my mom, my brother and my dad. And my dad loved to duck hunt. Um, I like to like you know, learn how to make meatloaf with my mother. This, this I didn't like going out in the field. So trying trying to find a, a way to bond with him well, it was tough. And my brother, too. But the way uh, the way I got in was that I actually liked football. And my dad was a Seahawk fan for life. The Seahawks came, they were an expansion team in 1976. I don't know how I know this, but I do. I was born in 79. And the, I bet you, I bet you the, the day I was born, I bet you they put a Seahawk onesie on me. It has just been part of me forever. I, uh, I went up to spring training this year. <laughs> I mean, like what? I know. I know. It turns out I love shoulder pads, not just on my golden girls, but on my football players as well. And uh, the Seahawks, this is going to be a rebuilding year, which means terrible. Like don't, if you like winning, don't get used to to watching the Seahawks. That's what they sort of meant for this year. Geno Smith was the backup. Russell Wilson was traded, blah, blah, blah. But we went, and they were playing the uh, Cardinals this week, which is uh, a, a division game, which it means a lot. Because if you are the ahead of your the top of your division at the end, you get to go to the playoffs. This is big time. And um, we won. I remember we were sitting there on Sunday watching the game. At halftime, I said, we got to race home because I like to watch the second half at home. It's a ritual. I get in the hot tub and watch. I mean, it's a good life. And I'm sitting there in the hot tub watching. Seahawks are six and three. What? Let me tell you, we were supposed to be the team that nothing happened. And there's a lesson here. Never give up. Don't be a fair weather fan. I always say I'm not a fair weather fan because there's never fair weather in Seattle. But don't be a fair weather fan. If you love a team, don't discount them. I love my Seahawks. They need me to cheer for them. That's why they're that's why they're six and three. Am I the secret ingredient? Uh, I don't know. Uh, am I a hero? <laughs> Maybe. 
But the bottom line is this. The best thing I've seen all week is that my team, my beloved Seattle Seahawks, who were discounted, are hanging in there. And to anybody out there who feels like maybe you're being discounted, uh, shock the hell out of everybody. And I'll meet you in the end zone. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. If there's someone you want to see, come here and say hello, Ross. Make sure you tweet me or Instagram me or Facebook me. I'm at hello, Ross, across the board. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And I'll see you here next week. Until then, bye-bye and go Hawks. Hey, it's me, Ross Matthews. Thanks so much for listening. It means a ton. Make sure you like us, give us a good review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can find us on video at Cumulus Podcast Network on YouTube. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.